Hello everyone, and welcome to Biopedia. We're going to be focusing in on the theoretical mechanics of evolution today, in the form of a notion called punctuated equilibrium. We will not be doing a lengthy deep dive into which evolutionary model is correct, but we will be introducing the concept. In doing so, we'll be able to look at its counterpart, phyletic gradualism, and explore several tangents including creationism, living fossils, and more. Let's get started. First up, what is punctuated equilibrium? The idea came from Stephen Jay Gould and Niles Eldridge in 1972, as per a paper they released in 1993. They argue that this model best described evolution as a process, rather than Darwin's model of constant change. However, as per the authors in 1993, it complements the model called phyletic gradualism. Phyletic gradualism is the idea that alterations in morphology occur slowly and are not connected to the generation of species themselves. Conversely, the concept behind punctuated equilibrium is that species formation happens fast and in rapid spouts of activity. Rather than gaps in the fossil record being due to incomplete data, Gould and Eldridge thought that it was probable species were created over the span of millennia as opposed to longer timescales. After they form, species stay comparatively unchanged for as long as millions of years. We do see something like this in the form of a sudden generation of life forms in the Cambrian explosion. This is a period about 500 million years ago which saw an explosion in the emergence of body plans. There's a paper citing several other papers which uses terms similar to punctuated equilibrium when discussing the Cambrian explosion, or at least it calls the alteration in biodiversity punctuated. We also see something a bit like punctuated equilibrium in the fossils of eukaryotes in the late Proterozoic. For context, the Neoproterozoic lasts from about 1 billion years ago to 538 million years ago, according to a chart by the International Stratigraphy Commission. Protist and algae show up in the fossil record for a bit, and then disappear again. Now, let's come back to the idea that Darwin backed the idea of constant change. Supposedly, Richard Dawkins has pointed out that, unlike the author suggested, Darwin did not support phyletic gradualism. The Wikipedia page has a quote from On the Origin of Species to support this. I went back through my 1859 copy, and indeed, the quote in question which I'm not going to quote here, is there. It indicates that Darwin thought species of differing genera or taxonomic groups have not altered at identical paces. However, it doesn't say anything about whether species undergo long periods of stasis followed by bursts of evolutionary activity. My evolutionary analysis textbook, however, holds that Darwin stressed multiple times that natural selection happened gradually. I suppose I might be misreading something, given that multiple sources have put Darwin in the camp of phyletic gradualism. Anyway, Darwin himself hoped that living fossils would help us understand antique forms of life. Using the example of the platypus, Darwin pointed out that some species join two lineages together which are separated by a lot of geological time. He noted that living fossils have not been subject to as much change in their environment and have lived in a confined space. Let's talk for a minute about living fossils. If they have remained unchanged for long periods of time, they could arguably support the idea of punctuated equilibrium. We're going to focus in on the platypus for this discussion. 100 million year old jawbone fossils of an ancient species of platypus indicate that the platypus might have undergone evolution more slowly. 
specifically fossils of an organism called Tynolophus, living in Australia over 100 million years before the present, has features more common to the platypus than the echidna, indicating that the split between the two happened more than 100 million years ago. The end result is that the two monotreme clades evolved slowly. Then again, previous estimates showed that the split between the echidna and the platypus happened sometime between 17 and 88 million years ago, which might change our understanding of how fast they evolved somewhat. I will say that what we perceive as scientific truth does change over time. To show one example of this, dinosaur bones were first illustrated in 1677 by Robert Plott, and were only described scientifically for the first time in 1824. Given how iconic dinosaurs are today, you can see how our knowledge changes over time, and thus how this older date may become accepted consensus with time, if it isn't already. Another example of something becoming consensus over time may be the three domain system in taxonomy, which we last mentioned back in episode 35. The platypus also matches Darwin's notion of not having as expansive a habitat as other species. In fact, it is only found in southeastern Australia, and is noted to be limited to the rivers in this region and to have a limited distribution. A preliminary read of a paper on modelling suitable habitat under climate change indicates this is only going to get worse in the future, with the platypus's suitable habitat decreasing significantly by 2070 under four different climate change scenarios. This decrease is around 30% under all four scenarios between 2020 and 2070. A final discussion point for today is that punctuated equilibrium was appropriated by creationists in the 1980s as this became a political issue. So, let's touch briefly on what the creationist school of thought actually holds. A 1983 publication stated that the idea is that every statement in the Bible is literally true and takes precedent over other beliefs such as those derived from scientific thought. This viewpoint is apparently not accepted by large Christian denominations. In the USA, as per a 1991 paper, 51% of those with a conservative viewpoint, 33% of those in the middle, and 39% of liberal-minded individuals do not accept evolution. This split went across the political divide in 1991, with both parties having approximately 50% rejection rates. However, there are different schools of thought within the broader tenet of creationist belief. Some hold that the Earth was created within the last 10,000 years or so, whatever your actual starting date of choice may be. One feature of this belief is that Noah's Flood is held to be historical, with landmarks such as the Grand Canyon owing their creation to the year in which the water was draining away. Conversely, there's an idea which says that either there was a prolonged period before the six days of creation, or that the six days themselves were separated by millennia or hundreds of millennia. Alternatively, you can have the idea that God created the original species of the world, but evolution, with a strong guiding hand from the divine, took it from there, with the flood being localised. Then there's theistic evolution, which says that evolution has a guiding hand shaping everything. This school of thought accepts scientific evidence, but adds theological tweaks, with Noah's flood being seen as a metaphor. To me, this seems consistent with a biblical scholar from the 2nd and 3rd centuries, Origen of Alexandria, who held that the Bible was a mirror which you hold up to God, and allegory is the light hitting the mirror. The point I'm making here is just one of academic interest that this viewpoint of theistic evolution seems to have some connection to past theological scholars. Sure, Origen says that scripture should be used to interpret scripture, as opposed to anything else for our purposes, but the similarity is still there. 
So, there you have it. A discussion of creationist thought might seem quite far removed from a simple mechanistic discussion of phyletic gradualism versus punctuated equilibrium. However, it reminds me a little bit of some of the philosophy we've discussed from the Islamic Golden Age in episode 58. Alongside the all-too-important evolutionary mechanisms, we've also got a discussion of how some members of society interact with them in the modern day, just as Darwin must have faced in the 19th century. That's it for this episode. As always, thank you all for listening. Feel free to get in touch at the show's email address for any questions, comments, or topic suggestions for future episodes. Until next time, have a great week, everyone.